0: This series we're kicking off today, I'm really excited about. Three-week series called You Drive Me Crazy. Come on, how many of you got a relationship in your life that's driving you crazy? Anybody? Come on, come on, come on. It's driving you crazy. And so we want to help you today over the next several weeks, just the next few weeks, about how to make relationships work. And so I'm really excited about this series kicking off today. And I've titled today's message, Destructive Behavior destructive behavior. I have a confession for you today. Sometimes my wife, Tiffany, drives me crazy. And she's in the service right now. Sometimes I drive her crazy. Sometimes my kids drive me crazy. I know sometimes I drive them crazy. Sometimes my friends drive me crazy. Sometimes you drive me crazy. Pastor, don't you get personal to here today. I'm not trying to, I'm moving right along. You know, we can drive each other crazy. And I remember when my wife and I first got married, and I've shared this before, but it was just one of those times in, in marriage and dating that we just drove each other crazy. Before my wife and I got married, we played a lot of games together, a lot of card games and board games, and we would argue and fight in front of people, you know what I'm saying, like mad. Then we got married. I remember in our early years of our marriage, we would argue. I would be so mad over a card game. And matter of fact, the only time I told my wife that she wanted a divorce was over a card game. I did it one time. I mean, that didn't work out for me very well. I just said, that's not a good strategy, somebody. Don't do that. But I was mad. She was driving me crazy, playing cards and talking smack, and I was mad. You know what I'm saying? Mad. I'm going to hurt somebody today. And so, And we can just drive each other crazy. Relationships can drive us crazy. And there are some married couples here today that you and your spouse are driving each other crazy. You don't even sleep in the same room anymore. You don't even talk, haven't talked in weeks. You give each other the silent treatment, arguing and fussing and fighting. You're about to serve divorce, the pa- divorce papers because you're driving each other crazy. Some of you are in a dating relationship that's driving you crazy. You don't trust each other. You're always arguing and fussing at one another. And let me say this to all of you that are dating. If the person you're dating is driving you crazy before you get married, it's gonna be worse after you get married. That doesn't get any better. I'm just saying. I'm Herbert. I'm your friend. I'm here to help you. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it may, maybe it's a family member or a friend for some of you that's driving you crazy, a, a family member or a friend that, that that is just always manipulating you or guilt-tripping you, or maybe you have a teenager that is just talking back to you all the time, and it's driving you crazy. And one of the major reasons we drive each other crazy in relationships is due to destructive behavior. Most people have bad relationship habits that are damaging their relationships. It's just destructive behavior. And today, I want to give you four basic reasons we have destructive behavior. We're going to dive into God's Word, and I'm going to give you four basic reasons we have destructive behavior that damages our relationships. Number one is ignorance ignorance. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 says, my people are destroyed from from lack of knowledge. You see, most of us were never taught how to have healthy relationships. In in school, thank God for school. In school, we, we learn about math and English and history and science, and those are very important, but we were never taught how to have a healthy relationship. We we aren't taught how to have a healthy relationship, but we are taught how to have bad ones. We we all learn how to have unhealthy relationships from the media. Media glorifies dysfunction and destructive behavior. Anyone remember the old television show, Married with Children, with Al and Peggy Bundy? and You know, the word marriage was covered in slime in in that show, and then came the hit TV show, Desperate Housewives. They never made a show called Desperate Godly Wives or Hallelujah Wives. Don't nobody want to watch that, huh? Don't want no godly wives. We want housewives that are desperate, you know? Then then all these shows come out, and, and, and it always has a constant twist to bad relationships and marital unfaithfulness, like you've got the show Scandal or Cheaters or *Empire* or how to get away with murder. (laughs) All right. (laughs) A show's called The Affair, Fifty Shades of Grey. Then you got a show called The Good Wife, and it's littered with marital unfaithfulness. Listen, we have all learned destructive relationship behavior from the media. We all have. And not only do we learn it from the media, but the tragic thing is the majority of us learn destructive behavior from our own family a lot of us grew up in homes that were dysfunctional and now we're just modeling the hate behavior that was modeled before us a lot of us grew up in homes where dysfunction was everywhere it was just dysfunction junction and you never learn. You never learn. You never were taught about how to have a healthy marriage or a healthy dating relationship or a healthy friendship. You just never learn. And listen, I know for, 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 for my own life, when you see dysfunction modeled before you, you think dysfunction is just normal. That's what some of you are today. You think dysfunction is just normal. You're like, yeah, you know, we just cuss each other out. We just lie and cheat and have affairs and get divorced. And we don't, listen, that's just what we do. We just give each other the silent treatment and we got drama and just tension. That's normal. And we can literally not understand because of ignorance that we are dysfunctional. We think dysfunction is normal. And I know this because of how I grew up. I grew up in a home with a lot of dysfunction. My parents were arguing and fussing and fighting and uh, my dad and mom ended up getting a divorce, and I just saw a lot, of, a lot of unhealthy behavior that I picked up, just dysfunction. I had one family member that I was close to that actually told me that 90% of marriage is sex. He said, Herbert, 90% of marriage is sex. How many know they're not married today? <laughs> yeah, it didn't, it didn't work out for them, I'm telling you that. And I tried it on Tiffany, but it didn't work. I'm just saying, it It. <laughs> It did not work. I'm talking about dysfunction. And then I got married at at, at 22 years old, and I was dysfunctional. I didn't even know it. I brought so much dysfunction in our marriage. I I didn't trust my wife. I didn't listen. I didn't value her. I wasn't life-giving. I was life-draining. Our relationship was not... Going in the right trajectory because of my own dysfunction. And here's the question. How do you succeed in relationships when you're drawing from ignorance? How do you win when your whole history and backdrop is ignorance and dysfunction? How do you succeed? Let me talk to you about that. The number one thing that you will need to be able to succeed is a teachable spirit. A teachable spirit. Spirit. The Bible is full of having a teachable spirit, especially in the book of Proverbs. I just want to share three verses with you out of the book of Proverbs on the importance of a teachable spirit. If you're going to have healthy relationship, Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15 says, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. It's foolish to see your relationships aren't working and to keep believing that what you're doing is okay. That's foolishness. Matter of fact, let me give you four phases of ignorance. Four phases of ignorance. Just look at your neighbor and say, you fall in one of these categories. Just go into yeah, four, four phases, Four phases of ignorance. Number one is this. You think you know what you don't know. That's phase number one. You think you know what you don't know. That's a bad place to be. To think you know. That's what the Bible talks about. Fools think their own way is right. Like you actually think that you know what you don't know. You're a fool. Number 2 is this. Here's a second phase. You don't know what you don't know. You don't think you know, but at least you but you still you don't know what you don't know. And that's being a fool. And I don't know that I don't know. It's a bad place to be. Number 3 is this. You know you don't know. At least, come on, at least you're not a fool. You know that what you're doing is not good. You know you don't know, but being right there still won't fix the problem. And phase four is this. You begin to know and grow. You begin to know and grow. This is where destructive behavior begins to change. You begin to know and grow. You have a teachable spirit. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 20 says, get all the advice and instruction you can. So you will be wise the rest of your life. And wise people get advice. They get all the instruction they can. Wise people know that they don't know it all. They have a teachable spirit and they're constantly learning. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 14 says, a wise person is hungry. Here's how you'll know if you're a fool or if you're wise today. A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool Feeds on trash. And some of you are damaging your relationships because you're feeding on trash. Garbage in? Oh, you already know. Garbage out on all your relationships. And some of you are hurting your relationships because you aren't aren't hungry for knowledge. You think that you can keep doing what you're already doing and get different results. That's called insanity. It's not working in your relationships. It's not helping. Your relationships aren't winning, but you can't, I'm just going to keep doing it. I don't know no better. That's just how I grew up. That's how our family does it. It's not working. And no matter how long you've been married, no matter how long you've been in friendships or relationships, listen to me, we can all get better. We should all have a hunger. If you don't have a hunger today to get better, you're foolish. I'm not calling you a fool. The Bible is a wise person is hungry for knowledge. Let me give you seven practical ways to store up relationship wisdom. Seven practical ways to show up relationship wisdom. We've got to be hungry for wisdom. We, we all need to get better. Number one is this. If you're married, read a marriage book or a marriage devotional every year. Just read a marriage book. Read a marriage devotional every year. Keep learning. You say, Pastor, I don't have time to be reading no marriage book. That's your problem. You're satisfied with where you are. You're content. You know, Pastor, I don't need to get better. Ask your spouse that. See if they say you need to get better. We all need to get better. Number two is this. Get in a small group. Get in a small group together. If you're married, get in a small group together. If you're in a dating relationship, get in a small group together. All of us get in a small group. We all need people that will challenge us and help us. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about negative influences in just a moment. It's a destructive behavior. Get in a small group. Number three is this: go to Growth Track. It's a brand new class that we just got started. Week one of the classes today. You can go following this service to Growth Track. And in this class, not only do I help you discover your purpose, I'll teach it. I got it all video recorded, it's professionally done. You're gonna love it. Hey, listen to me. I share so many relationship principles in this class, so many relationship principles, because discovering your purpose is always connected to people. And so I teach about people and relationship skills and help you discover your—you get to this class. You say, Pastor, I don't have time to get to this class. That's a problem. You got to be hungry to grow, hungry for wisdom. Number four is this, have a godly couple mentor you. Get somebody who's further along on the journey in marriage or in dating or in career. Find some people to mentor you, to develop you, to pour into you. Number five is this. We're talking about seven practical ways to store up relationship wisdom. Attend a marriage conference annually. Can I encourage you with that? Matter of fact, we have our marriage conference coming up this coming up Saturday if you're married if you're dating if you're engaged seriously dating here you think this is the one would you get to the conference today go register after service you say pastor i don't have 49 tell them to put it on my bill i need you there don't you let 49 stop you from getting relationship wisdom you better get there now those of you that can afford don't you be doing that come on somebody you ought to Stop that. I know, I know how some of you are. Woo, thank you. I was waiting for Pastor to say that. Woo! we going now. Stop it. You got $49. But if you don't, listen, I need you there. Let's grow together. Let, we can all get better. We got we to have a desire to get better. Go out in the lobby and register today. Listen, if your relationship is stuck, if it's going backwards, if it's destructive, go to a Christian counselor. Get to a Christian counselor. Go, go ask for some help. There are people that, that, that are godly that will help you. Go to a Christian counselor. Number seven is this. This is the last practical way to store relationship wisdom. Never stop learning. Would you make up your mind today? I am not a marriage expert. I am not a relationship expert. I'm a learner. We're all, I don't care how long you've been married, how long you've been doing relationships. We are all still learning. We're not experts. We are all learning. we got to overcome ignorance with learning. we got to have a teachable spirit. Number two is this. A second destructive behavior is, comes from past hurts. Past hurts. And everyone has past hurts. We all have scars because of wounds that were inflicted on us by people, hurts that were inflicted on us by people. We all have scars. Here's a real issue. Some of you don't have scars, you still have open wounds. And you've been walking through life for years with open wounds because you have never been healed from the hurts and the pains of the past. And here's the reality, we all bring baggage into relationships. And if you don't deal with your hurt and your pain, you will bring so much baggage and so much junk into your relationships that it will damage your relationships. They will become destructive. Matter of fact, I know this from personal experience. I want to share with you two ways that helped me deal with my past hurts. I have been hurt just like you. I have been deeply hurt. I Matter of fact, some of you know my story. I wrote a book called, But God, and I talk about how I was sexually abused at the age of 13 by a lady, not my mother. And I, I talk about the pain and the wounds and, and, and how, do, how, how do you get over pain of the past? Number one is this, let me talk to you from my own life. Bring your hurt into the light. Bring your hurt into the light. I had so much dysfunction and pain and hurt from the past. And when I started dating Tiffany, listen, I didn't tell anybody about my stuff. I didn't want anybody to know. And I had a fear of rejection. I thought, if I do tell somebody, they won't like me. They won't love me. They won't accept me for who I am. So I had a lot of fear of rejection, and then combined that with pride. I don't want you to know. I want you to think I'm okay. I want to put up a front. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about? That, that was kind of me. I don't want anybody to know. You remember the old song? I'm too sexy for my shirt. I'm too sexy. <laughs> I didn't want anybody to know. I don't want you to know I got issues. So I got married, and I remember talking to Tiffany right before we got married, and I let her know I was abused. I began to open up because I brought so much dysfunction into our marriage because of the pain and hurt of the past. But when I began to bring it into the light to talk to my wife, to talk to friends, eventually talk to our church, you know how much healing took place in my life and how much dysfunction began to dissipate? because I brought it to the light. And let me tell you something. I wasn't fooling Tiffany. She knew I had issues. I wasn't telling her, but she was like, that brother's cray-cray, but I still love him. He's my cray-cray. I wasn't fooling her. John chapter 1 and verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Friends, hear your pastor today. The devil is the devil of darkness. He destroys relationships when people keep their hurt and their pain in darkness. Listen, anything in darkness is under his domain. You can't kick the devil off his own property, but you can shine the light, and that joker has to leave. Some of you got all your stuff in darkness, all your pain in darkness, and the devil loves to work in darkness. And you got to get that out in the light. you got to tell somebody. I'm not telling you that you need to tell everybody your business. That's not the case. But you need to find somebodies that love God, that you can tell them, get it out, expose it to the light of God. And that's where healing, healing can begin to take place. That's how you begin to get emotionally healthy. Get it in the light so that you can move forward. Number two is this. Not only bring your hurt into the light. Let me tell you what helped me. Number two, take responsibility by forgiving take responsibility by forgiving. You have to forgive. Forgiveness is one of the biggest issues for emotional healing that will lead to emotional health. And this was huge for me. I had to learn to forgive so I could begin to be healed and healthy. I love to read through Proverbs every January. I normally read through the book of Proverbs and let it just speak to my heart. And this verse jumped out to me When I was reading through Proverbs in January, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9 says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Friends, love will not prosper in your relationships when you are harboring unforgiveness. If you hold on to it, dwelling on it, it'll separate close friends. It'll separate a marriage. It'll separate work relationships. It'll separate parenting and child relationship. It will cause damage in your life. When you withhold forgiveness, you're withholding your own healing. Let me say that again. When you withhold forgiveness, you're withholding your own healing. And some of you are holding on, thinking that you're getting even, that you're retaliating, but you're not understanding. You're only damaging yourself and your relationships. Hear me today. Let it go. Forget. I'm talking to somebody right now. Let it. I know they hurt you. I know they did you wrong. I know they damaged you. I know they talked about you. I know they ran your name through the mud. I know they did you wrong. Let it go. Forgive. You're only hurting yourself, hurting your relationships. Let it go and forgive. Number three is this there's a, a third area of destructive behavior, and that is negative influences. Negative influences. I want you to hear this verse out of the message Bible, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It says, Become wise by walking with the wise, hang out with fools, and watch your life fall to pieces. Here's what I've learned. I want to teach you something right now, right? This this could revolutionize your life if you understand this. Divorce, adultery, addictions, abuse, run in groups. You will find that when divorce happens or adultery happens or addictions happens or abuse happens, there's a support system for it. There there are people who will actually encourage you and justify it and feed it into you. Just go ahead and leave. Go ahead and knock him out. Just slap her. People talking crazy. Listen, friends will predict your future. I say it all the time. Your friends will predict your future. It's important to have the right friends, the right support system that will strengthen your marriage, strengthen your relationships. Listen, sometimes Tiffany gets on my nerves. I love her. But sometimes she's on my last nerve. And I get on her last nerve. And I don't need no friend saying, oh, she's on your nerves today, isn't she? Yeah, let's go to the strip club, pastor. I don't need you as my friend. <laughs> let's, just go, let's just go get drunk. Let's just, let's just don't even go home tonight. Just come on and spend the night at my house. I don't need you as my friend. I don't even have friends like that. I got friends in my life when I'm frustrated and my wife's on my nerves, my children children on my nose. Nurse, you need to go home and forgive. You need to go home and love. You need to go home and be a man and work that out and pray for your family and lead by example. I got friends in my life that look me in my my eyes and say, You better go ahead and pray on through. (laughs) Love is not a feeling, it's a commitment, sir. You gotta get around the right. Some of you got some wrong friends in your life. Listen, destructive behavior runs together. There's a support system for destructive behavior. And always it piques my interest when people say, you know, Pastor, I don't know why all my friends are just, I'm telling you, they just bad. I just don't. I'm trying to pray for my friends. All of them just bad. Just woo, just woo, bad. (laughs) Well. Let me tell you something. It's because you're bad, but let me move on. Let me move, let, me, let me move on. The church is the best place to find relationships. The church is not perfect, but there are people that love God, that love you, and want your best interest and want you to thrive with God and your relationships. You've got to make sure you have the right influences in your life. Number four is this. Number four is this. Here's a, here's a fourth destructive behavior, and that is defensiveness. I want to break this down for you. This is so huge. Defensiveness. One of the biggest things that causes destructive behavior is people are defensive. And, friends, defensiveness is is directly connected to insecurity and pride. And then your insecurity won't let you say that you're defensive, and pride sure won't let you say it. So you go around being defensive all the time, and I know this because I did it. The Bible says regarding pride in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18, not the Message Bible. It says, first pride, then the crash, the bigger the ego, the harder the fall. John Gottman from the University of Washington said they have four predictors of divorce. That they can predict divorce with a 93% accuracy and one of the biggest predictors they, they have out of the four, one of the biggest predictors is defensiveness, when, when a person won't allow their spouse the right to share their feelings. And it's not just true in marriage. It's true in any relationship. When a person is defensive and won't la- let another person share, listen, it causes damage to the relationship. Let me give you four destructive results of defensiveness. I know I'm giving you a lot of material today. You can't get it all in your heart today, so I'm hoping you're taking some notes. The messages will be online and archived. Go on, listen, listen, listen. Take notes. Meditate on this kind of material that I'm giving you today. Meditate throughout the week. Meditate over the next month or so. Get this in your heart. It'll change your relationships. Four destructive results of defensiveness. Number one is this. You will not allow people to process problems, voice their concerns, or share their feelings. It is a result of defensiveness. You won't allow people to process problems, voice their concerns, or share their feelings. And I know this from my own life. When I first got married to Tiffany, I operated like this. And not just for a month or two, for several years I did. For years I went. And wouldn't let her voice her all of her concerns and feelings. I was defensive. I'm gonna talk more about this at the marriage conference and wanna unpack this more with you and take some time to talk because it's so huge. And it, it damaged my marriage, being defensive. Number two is this. You will not validate other people's concerns. You will not validate other people's concerns as a destructive result of defensiveness. Validation doesn't mean you always agree, but it does mean you are always willing to listen and not dismiss how someone feels. But you know what defensiveness does? When you're defensive, you won't even validate what someone says. You won't even entertain the possibility that there might might really be a concern or an issue or a problem. Defensiveness says, I'm not the problem. You're the problem. I'm not going to let you talk because you're the problem. There's no reason to talk. Just go fix yourself. You're the problem. That's what defensiveness does, and I know because I did it. And it was destructive on my marriage. I'm ashamed to say that I operated like this, not on purpose. I didn't know anybody. I was ignorant. I grew up watching this. And so I was simply modeling what I saw. And I I could easily say, you're you're the problem. I don't really need to listen. Go work it out. And you know, as Christians, we'll get all spiritual with it. Just go pray about it. I don't need to go talk to the Lord about it. I don't want to hear it. Defensiveness. I'm going to talk more about this at the marriage conference. We're going to get into this more at the marriage conference. It's going to help you. I'm telling you, this is so huge. Number three is this. Four destructive results of defensiveness. You constantly criticize and justify. When you're defensive, you constantly criticize and justify. When, listen when you and i are defensive we attack the other person we 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 shift blame back on the other person come on some of you know what i'm talking about you, you don't even acknowledge what the person is saying about you they're trying to help you they're trying to improve the marriage or the relationship or the friendship and you just quickly shift it you know you just so so good with your words and you're like well let me tell you what you did well you remember you Said, where you remember back in 1999 when you, and that's why we're talking about this because you, and I know because I was good at this. I didn't even know I had a habit of just shifting blame and not acknowledging and not, not li- I'm telling you, it's huge, it's huge, it's huge. Defensiveness damages relationship, insecurity, and pride drives defensiveness. And let me also say to the person who is offering constructive criticism, let me, let me help you with the principle. L- l- let me share this with you. Before you share con- constructive criticism or complaint, ensure that you're sharing more positive than the negative. Try to share 10 compliments to every constructive criticism. Because if you don't, what will happen is you'll be trying to make withdrawals out of your love bank account, but your bank is empty. You're like, let me tell you what I'm thinking. Well, that's all you do is tell me what you're thinking. Am I doing anything right? So you have to be careful that you are complimenting and loving and giving praise, praise more than you complain and criticize. Number four is this. This is huge. This was was a breakthrough for me when I began to understand this. It's going to set somebody free today. Number four is this. You stay emotionally unhealthy. A destructive result of defensiveness is you stay emotionally unhealthy. Listen to your pastor right now. A person who is emotionally healthy can listen to anything, it doesn't mean they agree with everything that they're hearing, but they can at least listen without cutting off the person or without, without going off on the person. Now, it doesn't mean that they're just going to lay down and play dead. It, what I'm talking about, it just means that when they're listening to a complaint, they're actually emotionally healthy enough to, to actually process it, to ask questions, and to have a productive conversation to get resolution. They're healthy enough. They can chew up the meat and spit out the bones. They're like, yeah, those two things are right. Those other seven, I don't really know about those. But, but they're they're healthy enough to actually listen, process, and have a conversation to get resolution. But when you're emotionally unhealthy, listen, You can't even listen to a complaint. You you can't even entertain constructive criticism because you take it personally. You get all defensive. You think it's a personal attack. And it really boils down to your own insecurity, your own emotional unhealth. Because when you're healthy, you can process a constructive criticism. But when you're emotionally unhealthy, you can't. And defensiveness rises up and you can't ever work on your relationship. You can't ever work on the marriage. You can't ever work on the friendship because they better not ever bring up anything. Because if they do, you're going to cry and throw a fit and I can't believe it. Don't you know I love you? Like, come out in Jesus' name. Whatever's in there, come out. I'm just trying to talk. Emotionally unhealthy. What's the answer to defensiveness and pride? Let me give that to you, humility. When you're bound by insecurity and pride, it leads to defensiveness, humility. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5 says this. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. Now notice this. And all of you, at all of our locations, everybody say, and all of you. That includes you and me, all of you. Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. And some of you are all dressed up today with pride and arrogance you're dressed up with it and today you got to begin to take off begin to strip off the pride and arrogance and the bible says clothe yourselves dress yourself get dressed with humility pastor what does humility look like when you clothe yourself with humility humility forgives humility says i'm sorry humility listens. Humility serves the other person's needs. Humility doesn't have to be right. Humility speaks with a gentle and respectful tone. Humility doesn't give up on the relationship. Humility loves. Humility works out the problem. Humble yourself before the Lord Let me tell you what'll happen. God will lift you up. God will lift up your relationships. God will bless your relationships. Humble yourself. All your pride, all your insecurity, and I have been filled with it. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And let him lift up your relationships.